Welcome to Effects Loop. I'm Scott. I'm Chris. And I'm Ben. We're keeping you in the loop of the guitar community. Man, I almost messed that one up. <laughs> Is this really the first episode I've hosted? Ever? No. I, oh, yeah. I, I've had, like, guests on the episode. Yeah, those. And then I think when it's been you and me, there's been a couple of times. This episode is brought to you by Westminster Effects. Name and claim your tone. I think we we always pick a different pedal to kind of talk about how much we love it. Ooh, we should talk about their SDD 3000 preamp pedal because that's kind of a uh, foreshadowed something we have. <gasps> oh, sorry. I need to recover from that. <laughs> 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 oh, he really did. Wow. Uh, I'm okay. Are you sure? No. Okay. No, and I'm like halfway through my Chipotle, so this is going to be an interesting episode. Um, oh, Lord. So Zwingli. Is that the Zwingli? Is that what I'm thinking of? Uh, I'm trying to get to their website, but my internet is being slow, so this episode is definitely not brought to you by Comcast. Um <laughs> Xfinity not meeting your rated speed since <laughs> exactly. 1997. Uh, uh, no, I, I think it's just called, it may have a name, but I think it is just the SDD 3000 preamp. And it's, uh, I think it has knobs instead of the switches to be able to control the uh, preamp gain and the uh, output gain. Well, I guess just output. It's not really gain, but. Uh boost and preamp we're so organized <laughs> it's gonna be one of those we're looking it up uh, as we're talking about it it is the uh, how did you pronounce it with the z zwingli zwingli yes it is that one so maybe, it has volume pre and post gain maybe we should make cody write little snippets about each of his theologians so that this winds up being like educational every time there's a spot for people yeah yeah, we're gonna have a today I found out segment, also sponsored by Westminster Effects. Yeah. Well, with that, Chris, anything else new? Um, no. It's been a very boring gear week this week. I'm actually selling things, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you just listed those porters. Yeah, uh, one was a Porter. I think it's actually a very early model um, from when he first started, so I'm a little sad to let that go, but it just it doesn't sound good in my telly, and I don't have another humbucker guitar right now to put it in, and I'm trying to declutter um, for reasons. So I'll, I'll probably get a set of his uh, T90 pickups for the PV telly that I have, because those would sound very sick in that. I mean... I know people love to try to throw a PAF into Telecaster necks. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I think a P90 sounds way better. It does. Yeah, I'm with like, you on that. I if if you're gonna go like a wide range, maybe because they're like a true wide range has actually got some bite to it. But PAFs are too dark, especially yeah, when you don't mess with the pots the right way. The, the, the thud never sounds right in a Telecaster yeah. to me. No, yeah, the P90s and wide ranges are definitely my favorite Telecaster uh, pickups. Fight me for that. <laughs> I got offered a pair of wide ranges today, or was it yesterday, two days ago? Nice. 
And I'm still debating they, uh, whether I'm just going to buy them outright or not. Are they the stock ones out of Offender or are they uh, custom made? Um, they were the first ones out of Righteous Sound. Hmm. So yeah, was, uh, um, they were originally for Blake, Blake Wyland and uh, they he wound up getting four wire ones. So, um, oh wow, yeah, yeah. Depending on how much they are, uh, usually when you get wide ranges from a small builder, they're very expensive. Well, have you looked at pricing on the new ones? Like, uh, so Fender now has they actually like made a Cunefe hmm. one. No. So so they they're still making their like cheap reissue one that's basically a PAF and a different housing. Um, and was it Nam a year or two ago they came out, they, the, they announced they were doing it. They're 200 bucks a piece. Like mm. they're charging like boutique prices. I'm like, you're Fender. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like your Seymour Duncan should be more expensive than you at Fender, but. Oh yeah. Cause like the custom shop pickups are not expensive. No. It's like what, 150, 200 for full set? Yeah. But I don't know. Fender sometimes makes some weird decisions. Like they still don't sell the Big Dipper pickups from the Jazz. Those ones out of the, uh, yeah. So who knows? Hmm. Okay. Uh, that was so, an elaborate what's new for nothing. That new. was a very <laughs> elaborate. <laughs> so the, there's our pickup knowledge for the week. <laughs> yeah. I, we, we, we went there. Wide range um, lower. Uh, how about you, Ben? What's, what is new? New. What is new? Well, I guess everything's new to you guys since I've never been on the, on the show before, but uh, what's specifically new within the last couple of weeks, nothing. I'm on like a gear buying hiatus for, I've been on it for a while. I mean, I think I bought in the last three months, I've probably bought one pedal, maybe two and, uh, I'm saving, saving for, for something big later this year. So oh. nothing new. I, I am building some phasers um, for guys in the group, um, for Will and, and for Mr. Fuzzmonger. Um, so I got that in, the stuff to build those in yesterday and started working on those last night. So but that's it for me. That's not, not a lot of interesting new stuff for sure. I, I think we casually just skipped over who Ben actually is. <laughs> yes, <we did. laughs> ben, why don't you give a quick introduction sure. to who you are? Yeah, who am I? Um, well, my name is Ben Fair, and you've probably heard me, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you've probably heard me reference on the podcast before. Um, <laughs> Mostly how patron. to pronounce your last name correctly. Yeah, for, yeah, it's fair, fur, fear, far, whatever. I don't, I don't really care. I just correct people because you get, if you're going to be talking to them for a long time, you get that awkward, like they pronounced your name wrong initially and you didn't correct them. And then like a year later, so they hear from somebody else, oh, it's actually pronounced <laughs> this way. And then they come and apologize to you. Like, <laughs> I don't care. I honestly don't, but I just want to avoid that awkward interaction later so anyway yeah fair is how it's pronounced um yeah i'm big you know obviously big fan of you guys' show uh and uh been a patron and interacting with you guys for a long time so you know who i am but for the rest of everybody else i'm just kind of a regular guy who builds some pedals occasionally and and sends them to diaz mostly and uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's that's about it really you know just been just a regular regular dude so nothing nothing special here you're not going to plug out uh, your your brand? Oh sure, yeah, why not? Uh, yeah, so Electromotive Sound Company is my is my pedal brand where I build random things and you know sell them occasionally on reverb and give them away for free to to people or to at uh, low cost. You know if they if it's not something that I'm just going to have in production long term. So anyway, yeah, uh, Electromotive Sound Company is uh, 
just me and building pedals in my basement and my garage sometimes. <laughs> so I, uh, you know, if you, if you want to check it out, I'm on Instagram and, uh, on Facebook, uh, you can go to electromotivesound.com. That'll just take you to my, my reverb page where I have uh, a few clone, uh, pedals for sale, which is like a clone centaur, um, with some, some different options, uh, things like that. So that's it. No, nothing, nothing fancy or special. Oh, speaking of nothing fancy or special, uh, my what's <laughs> new this week is I got a Les Paul. So I am a boomer now. Yes. Pedals are lazy, yeah, plug straight into the amp. So so you have a PRS already. So yes. how, how is that? How, what's the hierarchy there? So like you're already kind of a blues something and now you're and where do the white Nikes more appear? blues or, yeah i'm like what, what's the how does that work is that um, is it additive what's the, what's the multiplier uh well i would say where where the spectrum of I is uh we might need to have an intervention soon especially the way this month with gear payments has been going um because this is not the only what's new for the next couple of weeks that i'm going to be talking about that's a big ticket but um no, uh, so I used to have a Les Paul. I had an Epiphone Les Paul that I swapped the pickups on, and I really liked. It was just heavy as sin. Um, but it was a great, uh, what I would call like a grip and rip kind of guitar, where it's just like, I'm just going to blast out some power chords and just have some fun. Um, that's what Les Pauls do really, really well. So uh, it's, a, it's an entirely different animal than most of the guitars I have. And so it just kind of fits, it, it just fits its own little slot there. I mean, Les Paul sounds great. I mean, as much as we knock it, think about how many of these like boutique guitars have PAFs in them. So yeah. everyone's trying to make that sound just in a more, um, let's call it refined or modernized package. And sometimes uh, an affordable Les Paul, which cause so I got a tribute gold top, which was kind of hard to track down one in good shape, but um, and this one's this one still reeks like cigarettes after like three <laughs> like three cleanings. Yeah, that's the worst. Um, yeah, I, I, it's not even a slash model, so I don't know why. Um, <laughs> but like being able to find a sub one thousand um, dollar proper Gibson is uh, it's nice, and so it fits that slot. It needs some work. Um, I think everyone saw how bad the bridge was aligned yeah. on that guitar, and that's really um, off. Reeks of cigarettes, needed the fret ends cleaned up, fretboard oil, you know, all of that just normal maintenance kind of stuff. But, um, you know, I kind of I kind of expect that with new guitars. So, yeah. You think it's a keeper, though? Like along for a while um, at least? I mean, I have no desire for anything fancier from Gibson um, that's not a 335. <laughs> um, and Makes really, I, I'm not itching for a 335 right now. So, yeah. Scratch the itch. The itch. Now you're saying, oh, we have a PRS. I mean, PRS is a whole a, a CE24 is sure. a whole different animal. Pickups right. are not PAFs. They sound radically different. They're much brighter, different kind of sound. Yeah, eighty five fifteens in yeah. the PRS. Yeah, very. Yeah, way different than a PAF. Yeah. So if I had a McCarty, it would be a lot more overlap, but I don't. So. Yeah. So hierarchy cool. PRS is still the best guitar I own. <laughs> They're they're fantastic guitars. I mean, I know I know they're obnoxious to people, but yeah, I, I, I feel the same way about it. You know, it's like the the best feeling guitars I've ever played are are PRSs. I mean, there's just the, and and like I can't even I can't even tell you why. 
you know, I'm sure there is a reason, like just how the, how they're crafted or how mm-hmm. the neck's shaped or whatever. I, but I can't I can't actually articulate it. But when I pick one up, even like the SEs, for the most part, I pick one up and I hold it. It just feels right. You know, it feels good. And I, th- I think when I bought my first PRS, I was out and it's an SE. It's not even a like a, an American model. But I was out trying different guitars at, at a guitar center near where I live. And I picked it up and I'm like, oh, wow this is this feels way better than anything else in this price range you know like it wasn't even not even close um you know second like any of the fenders or or uh, uh higher end epiphones i was i was picking up and, and playing so yeah I, i'm i'm with you on that and then i know a lot of people you know th- there are good reasons to to be annoyed with prs in general especially <laughs> if you have a certain disposition you know if, but, if you hate flame yeah. top guitars in <laughs> ornate inlays yeah i mean i get why you you hate them because they are fancy um but i also feel like the s2 line has kind of corrected some of that where they become more affordable and give you a lot of the options and stuff but yeah and a lot of solid solid colors and things like that that are right less less ostentatious yeah i it but it i mean there's a reason why also like prs has the choice of woods too i mean there's no other brand yeah. can really do what they're doing. So, yeah. Um, having said that, my Titan is awesome too and plays like a dream. And I've all I I have a lot of nice guitars now. It's getting a little scary. <laughs> <laughs> like I I don't deserve this. Yeah, uh, you look around and you're like, wow. I'm I'm just like some dumb kid, you know, that just learned how to play guitar. That's how I feel. Anytime I get something nice, I'm like. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I barely know how to play. Why? Why would they give me this? Yeah. I, I know the I, feeling. I remember at Guitar Center. I was like, "Will they actually like let me keep playing one once I see how I play guitar?" <laughs> like, we're gonna need to turn that in. Yeah, hang um, it back on the wall. We're, we're gonna need to run a credit check on you before we keep <laughs> keep doing this. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, being 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 a yuppie in your thirties, uh, you get treated a lot different at Guitar Center now. Yeah, sixteen <laughs> year old. Anyway, uh, let's dive into some news. The news. The news. We don't have a jingle or anything. Um, we first out the gate, KHDK Electronics dials in the Lucifer, spelled L-C-F-R. So it's like an app for the devil. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Built by real Satan worshipers? Eh, maybe. Uh <laughs> Here's a timely topic. <laughs> Do we want to get into that? Um, uh, I was I was scared you were going to try to start talking about NFTs at some point. So it's it's it's, <laughs> it's either that or it's dumb shoes. What, what which one do we want to do? Um, no. So this is the signature overdrive slash boost pedal from Behemoth's Nurgle. Um, this is a Jason Fuzzmonger consultation, isn't it? <laughs> I actually know, so I'm I'm kind of a metalhead. I'm not I'm not as deep into it as Mr. Fuzzmonger, but um, but yeah. So so the, this is a band behemoth that that I'm aware of and I've heard of before. And Nurgle's actually kind of an interesting dude. Um, I read an interview with him in um a guitar magazine a couple of years ago, and there was a lot of depth there to to what he talked about that you, I just didn't expect based on the type of music that they play. Hmm. Um, but this this is so it's an over like i i try to i try to understand the context of an overdrive being a signature for the type of music they play so they're they're an extreme metal band 
And if you're not familiar with what extreme metal is, it's like metal, but more extreme. So is this a tube <laughs> screamer? I, I honestly don't know. So anytime I see a bass and treble control and a gain and a volume control, I immediately think Timmy, you mm -hmm. know, like it's like some kind of Timmy bass thing, but I don't know. There, there, there haven't been any sound samples, I guess, of it released based on the article that's here. So it's hard to say, you know, but I, you know, when, when you see an overdrive in this context, you always think, oh, it's just for going in front of a high gain amp to tighten up the bottom end. Right. I mean, that's what most overdrives are in the context of it, yeah, it's high more, gain metal. It's, it's more a dirty boost than it is like actually the the sound right yeah so even, interesting and even their website doesn't really have sound samples shame shame yeah and the, the thing about this i like i actually like the look of it a lot i mean it's it's but so you can't see this because this is a podcast but it's black and it has kind of like a copper you know copper lettering and and but then the copper knobs too that i can't see those knobs now without seeing the snake oil pedals <laughs> I don't know if you remember, like Rob Chapman released the snake oil pedals last year, mm -hmm. and they have those copper knobs. Anytime I see a pedal with those knobs now, knobs are something I pay attention to a lot, just probably because I build pedals. But that it, I see that, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's that knobs from that pedal. So it just immediately made me think of snake oil when I saw that. I think it looked good. Yeah, I mean, it's a good looking yeah, pedal. It is a nice looking pedal. All things considered, you got that. So will this upside down cross? Yeah, you got the upside down <laughs> cross thing going on. So no. No. I don't think you want to turn on Lucifer Not in church. the middle of church. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you just cover it with tape. They won't know any difference, right? There was at the. Will, uh, will they be able to hear the Satan? Do that with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's would be um, a good a blind test, right? If you take this puddle into church, and you turn it on, can they hear the Satan in it? I mean, is that or is that your a detectable auto? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, it's an electric guitar, well, so it's the devil's music already. Right, so. yeah, that's true. He yeah, smells the true. brimstone a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> do we have to wait for Westminster to make their version of this? <laughs> Called the Yahweh, and it's just that's also only uh, consonants. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good call out. I didn't didn't even notice. Yeah, it's L U C. What L C F R is is mm -hmm. how it is. It's Lucifer L C F R. Yeah. So limited to 333 units. Um, went on sale on the 28th. Uh, yeah. I mean, that, yeah, that screams we're going to do a second patch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. Also, considering like these, these limited run things are designed to sell out in the first run. So the second run can sell quick. But yep. I imagine these are fully sold out now. And um, yep. So who cares? About Not even pricing? a sound sample out there, and it's already fully sold out. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, I mean, that's that's fan bases. Yeah. I like the last line of their this. thing is now go do some yoga <laughs> with an expletive in there. But moving on, Origin Effects released the compact hot rod. Is it RD, RD Compact Hot Rod? Um, packed with vintage hot rodded amp tones. So the Revival Drive, Diaz had one. Chris, have you touched a Revival Drive before? No, I don't think I've even touched any of Origin Effects stuff. Yeah, I've never played an Origin Effects pedal before. Um, they, they are some of the heaviest, heaviest pedals available on the market from a, from a weight standpoint. Um, mm -hmm. I still I have a Cali 76 still. Um, so the Revival Drive was a big old pedal. This is coming down to more standard size. I mean, remember Origin Effects uh, 
single size pedals are still pretty big. Like they're bigger than a boss pedal in every dimension. So. Yeah, a little taller, a little wider, a little. Yeah, longer. but uh, th this brings down that size. I think it's just basically the one half of one side. Transistors in place of valves throughout, so you have a full push pull output stage. Uh, and all the fun overdrives, you've got a, is it a three-band EQ? Nope. Yep. You have a presence knob, so I guess that technically yep. is a three-band. Um, and you got post-gain EQ, a little toggle down there. That's yeah. interesting. And a drive blend. A blend. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Did you guys listen to the, listen to the, the demo of it? Uh, I kind of figured it sounds like the big revival drive. Is that is that a fair assessment? <laughs> yeah, it it does, uh, especially on the lower gain stuff. But it actually gets it sounds really good, like in the the high gain. So they they have a section of the demo that, <clears throat> excuse me, goes into like higher gain. You know, more like a a metal kind of sound. Like you like a like if someone's playing a Marshall in a metal context, mm -hmm. very much more like that sound. It sounds really good. The transients especially sound just fantastic you know and yeah, that's I'm the thing with the video right now it sounds really good yeah and that, that's the thing with with like a an amp style pedal like this you know where especially where it's trying to emulate i mean most of this is kind of like marshall is what it's going for and it you know they they the transients are a hard thing to get right in a pedal context when you're using transistors in place of valves and they sound really good they sound really good in this pedal so this is your whole amp sound in a box um but does not have a speaker sim i'm assuming mm -hmm. so you got to run into an ir or something like that maybe a uh like the two note was it cab m is the really popular one yeah um something like that or a more radar <laughs> feels funny to put a cheap pedal with this thing <laughs> right but this is not um this is not the iridium killer necessarily right. is it is, is no, that the I fair comparison? Is... is that where is that what we're supposed to be looking at this compared to? I don't think so. I think this is more like a like a high gain Marshall distortion kind of box, like a like a plexi drive kind of thing, more yeah, than a right. more than an amp in a box, really. In in my opinion, I think that's the set, the sound of it anyway. In my opinion, Chris, what were you saying? Uh, that was the vibe I was getting. Was a more Marshall in the box. So I'm trying to remember, I, I thought Rhett Shull had like the big version of this running around. I'm trying to remember how he ran it because I thought that was an ampless rig, but I could be wrong. I don't know, $390. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, they're, you yeah, know, origin pedals. <laughs> expensive. <laughs> they're not your first pedal. No. No. Well, speaking of not a pedal uh the mmxx tape is a synth that looks like a cassette and sounds as mad as you'd hope <laughs> chris i just thought of you when i saw this <laughs> yeah it's it very chris. reminds me of the uh like teenage en engineering things but with less buttons <laughs> i've not heard heard any videos of this though uh it's a demo right yeah, there on the on the paper yeah it's a, was there yeah. i must have mm -hmm. It's a YouTube video embedded in the article. I mean, it's it's got a lot of like circuit bending kind of a sound thing going on. See, once you start getting into that, you start losing me. 
I, I, I need things to be like laid out and simple. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there's a few not, there's a few buttons that I think are just like touch sensitive based on the, what I'm, I'm looking at right now. Cause they seem to be part of the PCB and then where they have the, uh, the real kind of things to make the cassette look, those are actually potentiometers. So you can sit there and move them around. Pretty neat little concept. Yeah. Yeah. It's neat. Yeah. This is too much for me. <laughs> i'm just watching this and like skipping through i'm like oh my god i feel like i would get somewhere and then never be able to get back <laughs> and this, I, this is kind of it's kind of a novelty right i mean you're not yeah. going to be taking this on tour with you to do your you know your synth part no nope. so but it's still it is interesting it's cool i i'll, I'll put this out there it's 80 dollars <laughs> hmm that's that's right in there with the teenage engineering stuff so that's that's well under they're, teenage engineering stuff isn't it um i guess they're pocket operator stuff right yeah that's, that's what i'm thinking yeah. is the pocket <clears throat> operators they're usually around eight it's like 60 to 80 and you can resell them for around that too um yeah i think i've got the arcade one and sometimes if i'm bored i'll just grab that plug the headphones in and just fuck around with it what do you think about, I mean, Teenage Engineering kind of, I, I feel like they kind of pioneered this of just like the exposed electronics kind of thing. Like they don't, they don't do cases. They don't do anything. I guess the OP1 still had like a proper case on it, but. Um, yeah. For 1200 bucks, I would hope so. <laughs> yeah. But like. Yeah. Like the, this, it looks like it has at least over, cause you can see the capacitor, you can see all the surface mount components, but I think it actually has a piece of like conformal coating or right? something over it yeah because i see screws in the corners that look like they're holding down maybe a piece of um, plastic or something that's actually covering the components oh that would explain how the touchscreen part works yeah oh yeah that would yeah i'm always so nervous about the stuff that, like hanging out like from teen teenage engineering stuff like the buttons like i don't have any problem with that but once you like get around to the back and you just have like loose solder joints that like <laughs> one wrong hit on the edge of a table and it's fucked. <laughs> yeah. No, no, yep. Yeah, this is fun. Looks like it maybe just has like like a 3.5 mil out. Like it's hard to tell from the the video what they what the output is, but yeah, just take it plugging into your USB does. I I think it's yeah, USB power, power only. Okay. Yeah. That's I it's cool I, though for what I, it is. I don't like USB power. <laughs> it just I've broke too many of them. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. And well and you're always limited too, because it's five volts, right? And then you gotta either use five volts or you gotta somehow step that up to a higher voltage if you need a higher voltage, but then you're limited by the total wattage of, of whatever is supplying that power, you know. And so <laughs> it can be a real challenge if you know to to power from a usb like that yeah. well let's uh let's keep moving along here keep the show going i don't know why i'm talking like this but i am um <laughs> next up, show going. um <sighs> this isn't even an early episode i have no excuses <laughs> for why i'm being so weird yeah other it's than... still early for me it's before noon i'm throwing you off yeah well, my, I... my energy is messing you up i went to the cairo today and so like i got my neck cracked and it just feels good so maybe that's what it is just yeah. loose 
Yeah, I'm not yelling at Diaz. <laughs> that's it. That's. <laughs> you could still yell at him and see if he listens to this episode. Yeah, he, he might. He, no, he, he won't. He, he doesn't listen. To this. He doesn't listen. To this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Luna Stone has the deep metal stomp box. This actually sounds pretty good. I listened to the demo and it's actually good. Like it sounds like it would be something that's just crap or like in the metal zone territory, but mm -mm. yeah, it's again, it's more of a, like a kind of a almost, I want it's not really Marshall, but it's, it's more of like an amp distortion than a, than a crazy buzzsaw pedal distortion. That's what it sounds like to I me. I mean, the the whole the whole marketing spiel on this is that it's supposed to make a small amp sound huge. Yeah. Which I just hear bass, 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 bass. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, that, that's what they're doing. I hear the exact same thing. I'm like, so basically, if I just put a bass knob on this for the EQ and just turn it up, that's pretty much yeah. what what they're doing, right? Which, if, uh, sure, okay, yeah, you play that through a 12-inch speaker, maybe that makes it sound bigger. But at one point in the demo, they play it through an 8-inch speaker, and I'm like, I can't imagine, like, just increasing the bass on an 8-inch speaker is really going to make it sound that much bigger. It's just going to make it sound fart. It's going to, like, fart it, right? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I just got to it. Yeah, it sounds exactly what I think it would sound like. <laughs> it right. sounds like and, a I mean, custom 8-inch speaker. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, like I, I get, you know, I, I think it's, a, I think it's a cool idea, but you I mean, you can't overcome physics with, with pedal EQ design. You just, you can't. Oh, I mean, don't there's... tell Bose that. <laughs> that was a deep cut for all you speaker heads. Yeah. Um... <laughs> but there are things I like about this pedal. So the, I like, I like the look of it. The, the layout of it is very unique. So it so... has a big, like 10, 10 or maybe bigger millimeter um led in the upper left um, upper left corner of the pedal instead of kind of like in the middle where led normally is it's in the upper left and then the the knobs are laid out uh like on a on diagonal like stair step going up the pedal you know and then you know the the, the way the word the wording is on it and everything i think it's cool it's a cool design aesthetic but man i'm not sure about that color that's yeah that's that's shit brown right i mean yeah it's, that's, it's definitely a turd brown I, right <laughs> I, I want a hatchback in that color. <laughs> oh no! It, it needs to be all-wheel drive and coming to stick. That's what I want. Yep. Uh, yeah, and it's, it's just covered in in dirt and yep. and uh, grime from winter time, and yep. haven't washed it. And it's like the middle of summer. Yeah. yeah if I could get like an early '90s Land Rover Discovery in that color, I'd be pretty happy. <laughs> um, uh, I was thinking more of a hatchback Honda Civic for you, but okay. I don't fit in Civics. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it does break from Luna Stone's uh, history, or at least from what I've known of their pedals, of all the wood toppers. Yeah. This is the first one to kind of deviate from that. <clears throat> Though I also have a hard time imagining a deep metal pedal that is a uh, that is not a uh, sorry that is a wood pedal. That's how you throw them off. That's how you make it like. That's niche. how you get it to church. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, that's how you get it to church. <laughs> all right. Um, at 129, that looks like a, is, is that a franc? I think it's yours. <laughs> Where'd it go? I'm on their website and it's 1,000. That is a pound sterling, um, symbol at, which we should have know by now, $177 <laughs> according to the U.S. conversion rates. 
None of us work in banking. Why would we know what the current exchange rates are? Because you can right-click and search in Google, <laughs> which is literally what I just did. <laughs> How much is this in? How much is this in Deutschmarks? Yeah. DDK1050. I mean... Is that Or DKK. Yeah, that's what it says. It is 1.050, comma, 00 kroner. <laughs> So that's a kroner. That's what that is. Okay. Yeah. I thought it was Corona. Oh, there goes our, uh... <laughs> do you just demonetize the podcast? Yep. Thanks YouTube. There goes our four <laughs> listens on YouTube. <laughs> that <laughs> randomly that. went to like 600 once. Anyway, we'll find out weird algorithm stuff. Um, yep. Now, I could have sworn we talked about this next pedal, the, but um, Myland Effects launches uh, uh, another love letter to the Roland Space Echo preamp only called the Ronald Preamp 50, 150. Oh, I shared this in the group like the day they announced it, which I think was last Wednesday or something like that. Oh, you know what it was? Uh, it was their... Um, I'm not saying that word, but it has no vowels in it. Um, they did the lo-fi degraded tape delay. Mm. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yes. Um, so. Oh, Lordy. So it's it's the preamp from a Space Echo. Um, so it's not an EP booster, but it's probably a very similar kind of vibe. Yep. <clears throat> similar just take that the circuit so if you read the in the article they talk about they went back to the original like schematic and service manual and, and built it based on that and i actually went and looked at the schematic because i was curious and yeah it looks like it's like um uh was it jfet based i can't remember um i think that's what it says yeah so yeah it's j it's a jfet boost basically and they just took took the the preamp part of that and put it into a into an enclosure and then made an anagram out of Roland and took the Roland logo and turned it into something that looks like the top of a Corinthian column. And <laughs> I, that's weird. Like the, the whole Ronald thing versus Roland. I mean, they even use like the Roland font and just make an anagram of it. That I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> I, like it's kind of clever, you know, but it, I also it, don't know. That might be C and D worthy. I'm not, I'm not saying they should, but that might be. But yeah, it's it's close enough because yeah, I mean, if you look at the the logo that's next to it, it's literally like two Roland logos turned on their side, smashed together. Yeah. So like the R, you know, sure. and yeah, I mean, I think it's it's okay. Like so, the EP boost, you know, obviously EP is Echoplex, and but that that makes sense to me because that kind of gives you a sense of what it is, but it's still its own thing. Where this is like kind of infringing a little bit to the point where it's it's funny i think it's funny that they called it ronald instead of roland but mm -hmm. I, I don't know like from a business model standpoint if that's really a very smart thing to do i mean i, so, I straight I up like when i skim reddit i saw roland yeah me too yeah so, that's what i kept thinking until somebody like, until you pointed it out i'm like wait my my eyes were definitely not paying attention that well yeah so i'm, no, I'm just, I'm just thinking like back the... to uh one of our, our sponsor, Westminster, affects many cease and desist letters they've received over <laughs> right. the years. Uh, and for chicken sandwiches. Yeah. Uh, so they they have they still have the chick delay. Um, and mm -hmm. he used the chick fillet font to do it. And they you got C&D for that. So <laughs> I don't you a lot of those brands, they have signature fonts. You can't use them. So 
we'll see how this, see how this goes, but buy them up now before yeah, <laughs> they get right, shut yeah. down. Pre-lawsuit. They're, they're 199 Canadian, which means they'll be cheaper in the US. Um, 150 US. That's not bad. No. It's a big really pedal, not. though, for a boost. It is. But it you're, is making a a sta- a you're making an artistic statement with this. Oh, yeah, it's like a 1590 BB, it looks like. So like your Caroline, a Caroline pedal, about the size of that. Or uh, another famous boost pedal that I'm not a fan of. <laughs> right. No, it shall not be named. Shall not be named. I'm looking forward <laughs> to when like, they try to spawn. I, I can see them trying to sponsor us and we'll be like, uh, no. Who, these guys? <laughs> no. I, <laughs> West the Island effects. <laughs> Hit me up. We'll, we'll talk. But, uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> the other one. Anyway, moving on, uh, we've got a few new um, guitars coming out uh, from Reverend that are play on the classic T-type called the Crosscut and the Crosscut W. Chris, mm. you're our resident, like, I have to have every Telecaster guy. Are any of these scratching your itch? Uh, only, like, maybe wanting the pickups out of these, like... I'm definitely more of a traditional body shape. So what was the other recent one they came out with? The uh, Greg Conch, Koch? Coke. Uh, Coke. Uh, Gristle 90 that they came out with. Mm-hmm. That's definitely way more up my alley than this. Like I've always like kind of had a soft spot for Reverends, but it's just the shape is what always gets me with this very soft semi-offset telebody. Mm. Yeah. it just doesn't sit well with me I mean, so i always have this thing with reverend where i'm always like they're they're well-made guitars they sound good oh yeah but and they're not ugly but they just don't do it for me no like it yeah. gets me most there like i've wanted the what is it the charger 390 ever since i saw one at uh cme oh or the Jetstream 390 one of the two three p90s it's like okay this is already up my alley but that body shape I'd rather buy a Strat and put the work in to do that. But um, go ahead. Yeah, I, the the shape on this, I'm just not. I'm not a fan of. I mean, I love Telecasters. There's this is only vaguely Telecaster like in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, the the pick guard is Telecaster shaped. The the switch plate is straight off a of Telecaster, but. And I mean, it's technically a single cut, but it just doesn't like when I first saw them, I didn't know they were supposed to look like a Telecaster and it didn't register as like Telecaster to me at -hmm. all. Uh, The what I do think is interesting that you don't see a whole lot is most of the time when you see a Telecaster that has a humbucker size pickup in the bridge, it just has like a small bridge, you know, like the just normal, almost like a like a fixed strat bridge. Um, And then the Telecaster and then the um a humbucker sits in front of that. This actually has a bridge plate that goes around that pickup. Yeah, I always which prefer those more. Reminds me of Fernandez guitars that used to do that. Yeah, that's that's true. I forgot about that. But yeah, this it's just interesting from that perspective is you don't you don't see that very. I mean, it's still you know six individual saddle pieces, so it's not like a like an actual Telecaster bridge, like a, a you know OG Telecaster bridge. But yeah, I don't. I guess these pickups that they say they claim in the article too that they're they're P ninety like, they look like wide range humbuckers, but they're yeah that that was my first they do but they're, yeah. they're they're rail hammers at the same time so oh, there's, okay uh, that's right um 
so what you'll have is on the bottom three strings it'll be a rail and on the top rail. three strings it'll be a uh traditional pole piece which that is like sense. reverend's whole thing yeah so i would try these pickups and a different guitar but i don't think you can buy just those at least not firsthand uh yeah you can you can <laughs> yeah problem solved well, try it. yep there we go <laughs> sometimes Chris yeah, I mean, makes they... a statement without googling first <laughs> yeah the price point on these two they're like what about 12 1300 bucks something like that yeah I, so i mean the the other fun part is how foreign made guitars are creeping into that big time 1200 to 1500 dollar guitar market yeah. now but i mean this is loaded yeah. up with like good hardware so okay. yeah for sure yeah, yeah and i mean they're only cool. they're only made in is it korea that reverend's made in i can't i can't I remember so so it's world music company is it, it <laughs> yeah right um not to be glib about that i i do know um uh reverend did make a big big announcement that they will be at summer nam and so far that's like mm. the only people i know that are going to be at summer nam so we'll we'll get to spend at least a day trying out <laughs> everything reverend has to offer before we decide yeah. not to go back to the show floor right maybe we can uh, this year maybe we be friends with them and uh get them to send us a guitar to demo and send back uh, they'll just send one to our podcast house and just try to knock eight birds out with one stone yeah <laughs> you guys can come by yeah there's like it. four podcast represented there <laughs> well i mean that would actually not be a terrible idea uh-huh. um considering i could just like bring a kemper or another amp modeler that i'm not talking about yet um to the show um Lol. so we could just do like quick demos but you know how fast we pump out demos as the effects loop. So oh, yeah. yep. um, <laughs> we might need to backtrack a minute because I just went to a different tab. Um, <laughs> mile end is actually discontinued the preamp because they got a cease and desist letter. <laughs> <laughs> as of March 29th, 2021. That was, uh, yesterday. That's uh, hilarious. That's great. Yeah, so there you go. Make make smart businesses. <laughs> Who could have seen this coming? <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> uh, I mean, boss is not oh, wait, wait, boss wait, wait, isn't wait. super litigious, it, but man, that's pretty that's pretty pretty bad how it, they how they did posted that. the letter he got too. So Dude, I'm gonna the the headline is <laughs> due to very foreseeable circumstances. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, it's like it just, they just knew they were asking for it, you know? Oh yeah. That's great. That's funny. That was worth it. Okay. <laughs> good find. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Speaking of good finds, um, Squire has leaked, or I think this has actually been confirmed now. Um, they're coming out with an Affinity Jazzmaster model. They've actually um, got a few new affinities with this line. Yeah. So Jazzmaster pickups, I think uh, there there's a good, good chance that that is like the made in Japan style Jazzmaster pickup where it's literally a strap pickup just in a cover. <laughs> Have you seen those? Yeah, it's like, yeah where yeah. It's, it's actually deep like a like a yeah. strap pickup instead of being wide like a normal Jazzmaster pickup. And it comes with a strat style trim, which I think is 
needed because I would never hand a proper jazz master yeah. to a beginner guitar player. <laughs> yeah. But Affinity is pretty... Oh, ooh, actually, these are way more than I remember Affinities being, but I haven't bought an Affinity since eighth grade. So... Uh, yeah, they've gone up. <laughs> <laughs> they've gone up a bit. Um, ceramic pickups. So, do you see this being a mod platform? Yes. No, um, they have a uh, Telecaster Deluxe in this new line too for the same price, and I really want to get the Burgundy Mist of that one and mod mod it. <laughs> So yeah, this would be really fun to mod. I would think. I I just I kind of wonder. Again, just simply like, okay, we're past peak offset now, right? The Jazzmaster craze I, is yeah. over, right? Probably, yeah. Yeah, it's on the decline for sure. I think. Um. So those that are not on the bandwagon yet. I mean, this is now we got to go down in price, get down in price, down in price, right? To like kind of swoop yeah. in the last little bit of people trying to get on one. I know the strap bridge will definitely help some people kind of get over what a jazz master is just because, you know, regular bridges are kind of, kind of difficult on jazz masters. Yeah. I just don't know if a jazz master pickup is that popular for the mod community too. Cause like jazz master pickups are expensive. Because they're all boutique, like yeah. Well, I guess, I guess you could throw P90s the... in there, but yeah, then you have to get you have weird cutouts and, and like the an adapter guard still. Yeah. I guess it would depend on what the cut is for the pickup routes. If they did like this more of a universal like rectangle cut, or if it's like strictly this shape. Yeah, I mean, it it wouldn't quite be wide enough for a humbucker if you wanted to mod it, put humbuckers in there if they didn't make it more a larger route underneath. But hopefully, it'd be like a like a swimming pool route or something like that. There yeah. are jazzmaster sized humbuckers now. Again, super boutique, mm -hmm. so you're going to pay yeah, more yeah, pickups than you are in the car. Yeah, yeah, but I think you can get a uh, Lambertones makes the crema and a jazzmaster size now, for example. Mm. But yeah, if you're buying those, you're you're putting it in a in a proper thunder probably yeah. Uh, you know well, yeah you're not spending four hundred dollars on pickups on a two hundred dollar guitar <laughs> no. i One mean there hope. are people who do that for sure but not not as many i don't think yeah oh <laughs> p-dubs guys will p-dubs uh-huh <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh. i mean the burgundy mist on this one is the winner yeah i was gonna say is burgundy mist new for the squire line because i think i've seen it on fenders before possibly okay it's, a, it's metallic right it has like a like a yes, metallic cast it does to have it. a metallic bit to it yeah I, I i'll be honest i'm not a huge fan of it but i'm not it's it's it's, it's not a, it's not a it's not a masculinity thing but for whatever reason i'm just not i'm not a paint guitar guy you know See, i oh, fell I'm not in love with this as soon as i saw it though because i've really? been itching for a pink guitar but i saw like these come out and the fact they had a totally deluxe i'm like okay i know what i'm getting now <laughs> it's probably yeah, also it's, just like uh you know it's it's a unique color for this year and they'll do it for this year only and then they'll do something right. that's a fair thing too yeah 
I mean, those, that's kind of the fun of these things is it, it gets you to buy them quicker. Yeah. What kind of fretboard material is that? Is that Pafaro? Uh, oh. Laurel. Oh. So affordable rosewood. Yeah, really affordable. Well, with that, um, speaking of <laughs> affordable, yeah, um, yeah, let's let's dive into our topic. Uh, ben Ben brought this one in, um, mentioning that Gibson is now promoting again the Tom Petty SJ two hundred Wildflower signature model, um, and brought up the interesting concept of correct my pronunciation on this posthumous 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 i don't know i don't i I don't know i think it's posthumous but yeah what's it what how how ethical is it to release a signature model signature specifically model of a of an instrument or a pedal or whatever after the artist has died especially if the artist did not have any involvement in the crafting of that instrument which I'm 100% sure is the case with this one. I don't I don't know the history here of I mean, this particular guitar. I bet his estate was involved at least. But I'm sure yeah, his was. daughter has a comment in the article, you know, and and everything and I'm, and I'm sure and in, 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 in the article they do you know specifically say that you know they they think of it as a almost like a tribute, you know, which makes sense. I can see a tribute, you know, but, but I mean it's got a signature on the pickguard. Right? And and normally, to, to in my opinion, if, if if it's a signature model of an instrument, then that the the artist was actually involved in creating that. So anything else can feel like a money grab, right? And in the case of this particular guitar, it's a lot of money for that grab. <laughs> so retail on these is uh, nine thousand nine hundred and ninety nine dollars. So is like double what a normal one costs. Right. There's only a hundred. Yeah, limited to a hundred, you know. And so, is there is there an ethical problem there? You know, is that because it, like so? Obviously, the big one was when when Eddie Van Halen died. We saw you know PV came came out with their you know their sig their it what they didn't I don't think they called it an Eddie Van Halen signature guitar, but they clearly were releasing it as a tribute. You know, and I think a lot of people pan them for that. You know, but it, is this? Is I mean, this different? It, that happened to also correspond with every EVH guitar selling out instantly. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. yeah. And, oh oh yeah. We just want to release a tribute. You know, not. It's not. It's not at all because there's a huge market for it right now. I don't know. So, what do you guys think? Yeah, I feel like maybe this just comes down to what's the word semantics, maybe like the <laughs> like the meaning of the word behind it. It's like maybe a sure. tribute would have been better to say instead of being like, yeah, this is a signature model, because I was reading on the Gibson website, like there's only a one off made uh, like back in the 90s for Tom. But I don't know if because <sighs> that kind of comes down to it's like you didn't really have their permission i guess to like re- actually release this you were dealing with their estate who i don't know what their goal is but it's it feels definitely a lot more like a money grab than maybe just doing one more one-off putting it up for auction for some charity that you know if tom had a big charity he had a heart for like maybe do it some for that but yeah yeah, this isn't. There's nothing here about it supporting any charity. 
Mm -mm, no, like yeah. And I mean, it's it's a beautiful instrument, except the bridge kind of looks like a handlebar mustache. That was not a dig at Tom. Sorry, Tom. Um, that's a that's a normal Gibson bridge <laughs> on their jumbos. Is it okay? Yeah, I'm not I'm not really that yeah. familiar with Gibson acoustics. So, um, yeah. The, so, the pickguard I mean, is ridiculously large, though. Yeah, it's mm. is that is that a normal pickguard for no. that that no. model? No. Okay, it, it, it kind of looks like a. Oh, Batman or something. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know how to describe that shape, but it's, it's yeah, it's, it goes it's, way... it's an ink blot. You see what you want. <laughs> yeah, it's a roar shark. Yeah, it's a bear. Yeah, so I mean, but so that I, that when it comes to like ethical questions like this, I mean, so much of it is perception, right? It's like, is it ethical? It, it it's only as ethical as people perceive it to be, right? So mm. you know, I think when you know. A lot of it depends on, you know, what what the reaction of people is, right? Is like, is this okay? Is this is this more okay than PV, you know, releasing that? Because I mean, obviously, the, the the guitar that PV released was actually collaborated, you know, between PV and and Eddie Van Halen when he was alive, you know, years and years ago, twenty years ago or however long it was, you know. So he actually had involvement in that. So is how is this different? It's not. It feels different to me, but I don't understand why, you know. So I'm trying to probe at that where where's that ethical line well i mean it was a it was this was a one-off made it's a recreation of a one-off made form right so yep um there is that whole like well he helped collaborate and design this thing sure um and then there's just this fun thing that we all as the public think we own something to the collective consciousness of a star and we think we know what they would have wanted and so therefore we as the public try to enact that will sometimes and so we always get really mad as states <laughs> of, yeah. of dead, dead celebrities um so we're someone creating right now a actually i'm kind of surprised there weren't a ton of prince guitars um you know like right after he died um, I was gonna say like that's just another thing. It's like this just feels weird with the timing because he died what 2016. Yeah, so it's been a few years. Yeah, whereas the Eddie Van Halen stuff came out like yeah, it was like after. I, I don't know which is better. I don't know which is better. <laughs> like you do it right there as an actual tribute, or you wait four or five years to be like, eh. yeah. I mean, I think one. this goes over better than than if you release it right away. Now it, it's different though. Like so, I know EVH as a brand they had some guitars they had been working on that they then released after he died but that's different you know that's that's something that he had been bringing to market as a as a businessman you know and so th that's just a logical progression of that and of course the company is going to exist and go on without him you know ostensibly so yeah, i mean it feels different based on that span of time too though as you mentioned chris where it's like yeah okay so a tribute if a tribute came out like right away, that would feel like an absolute money grab. But if a tribute comes out four or five years later, then maybe that's less. It's kind of like a weird. That. It's a weird know. time frame because like if it came out ten years later, we'd probably be like, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, sure, right. I mean, there's there are famous guitars from long dead guitar players now um, that they've done recreations of and stuff like that, but. This is like um, I'm not I'm not wishing anything, and if anything happens, I'm sorry. If Dave Grohl suddenly died, <laughs> no, and they brought back his signature guitar for a run, like right, right away, we'd all be like, oh hell no, yeah, it's but true. 
someone bringing back a court uh, a Kurt Cobain signature at this point has it been long enough yeah it was what 93 I think when he so. when he died so it's been what 20 30 years <laughs> 30 years. <laughs> I'm old oh man I clicked really <laughs> bad there sorry yeah I'm, yeah that's <laughs> But yeah, I think I think that's been long enough. But I mean, that Kurt Cobain one signature one existed. The Jagstang. I don't think existed. it ever stopped existing. To be honest with yeah, you, yeah, it's it was it was like right after, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, because I remember reading an article about it and how they had talked about how he because it didn't exist when he was alive. I don't think. I think they because he had said, "Oh, if I could take my Jazzmaster and my Mustang and combine them together, that'd be like the best guitar ever." And then they did that after he died. As, I think, it, I think but, it was like in the works or something. Okay, it might have been. Hmm. I mean, they made Stevie Ray Vaughan strats for how long now? That's true. Yeah, that's a good point. But in, in, here's the other fun one is like, what does a signature guitar mean? Because there's, there's like a Stevie Ray Vaughan strat where it's a very unique instrument in some ways. Like he had unique pickups, he had a unique neck on it, it played uniquely compared to like a normal strat what does this do from a normal model you know like when, when it's a model that deviates from the norm mm -hmm. we're often like oh yeah 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 give them a signature that's cool yeah. when it's like a, a standard instrument with a different colorway we're like Ugh. all right yeah another so, one another reason to sell it yeah hmm so, yeah, I don't know. This I, one's I guess, fishy, I, right? Like it's it's not really yeah. that unique, uh, although it is somewhat unique. Yeah, yeah. I think the difference is I, again. I don't know Gibson acoustics very well, but it seems like the differences are mainly cosmetic. So yeah. Hmm. So the answer to the question of is it ethical is hmm we're not yeah. sure. <laughs> To put to put a cap or, on it, or yeah. moreover, this guitar exists in calendars. Um, we, none of us can buy one of these, so why, right. why are we even mm -hmm. talking about it? Um, there's only a hundred of them. The, they're all pre-sold before they're even announced to the top right. fifty dealers. Maybe get one or two. And I was that goes say, to the best uh, musician's lawyer. friend has the ability to buy twenty if you really wanted to. Oh. <laughs> For real, like they're listed right now, or what? Uh, they're listed, and like they'll, they're yeah. Let me pull it back up. So yeah, it says so. What it says is it's priced at nine thousand nine hundred and ninety nine. Which at that point, why did you just call it ten thousand? I mean, really, is is, is there going to be some guy who would be like, you know, I really want that guitar, but it's ten thousand dollars, <laughs> you know? Well, you and then you knock one dollar off. Credit. He's like, shut up and take my money. It's a thousand dollars in tax, <laughs> right? Yeah, or more if you live in Chicago. But much. Yep. <clears throat> Which reminds me, I need to put my sticker on my car. <laughs> Yay, more taxes. Yeah, I mean, we got a bad down here too, but not not as bad as you do. Still, so high in all of Illinois. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, but so yeah, that, I was curious though. So it says it, it, it's priced at that, but is that is that MSRP or is that map? Is that that's what it's showing on musicians' friend? Like in order to buy it, you agree to reverb. sell it for that price, I guess. You know, yeah. from Gibson. Okay, I, I went back up a little bit. Is this the signature guitar for Tom Petty though? 
What guitar do you associate with Tom Petty? First thing I think of is Rickenbacker. Yeah, me too. Yeah, same here. I mean, yeah, right. You're right. If it's not his signature guitar that in most people's minds, but I mean, it literally has a signature on the pit guard. So that's (laughs) what made me think of that of calling it a signature model. You know, I guess I guess maybe what what a signature model is has evolved over time too. And you know, to Chris's point, it's it's kind of semantics. You know, and a lot of there's a lot of really popular signature models that don't have a signature on it. You know, I think of like the Mark Holcomb uh, PRS, it's extremely popular. I don't think it has a signature anywhere on it. You know, so, hmm. but it's definitely a signature model. You know, that's but that's what the word I would use to describe it. And it's unique because it's a longer scale and it has all this. Yeah, yeah, it has unique stuff to it. Um, Floyd Rose and stuff. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, am I just having si- signature guitar burnout? Is that what it really is? <laughs> Has it just been I, done I, probably too much? Maybe, maybe to an extent, because there's other times we see artist models come out and we're like, "This is really cool," and then we get ones like this. It's like, why? <laughs> yeah, like like Diaz bought a Richie Kotzen the other like last year or two years ago. Um. Like I have the John Mayer signature and I love it. And I have like, I would happily have a um, silver sky on top of that. Um, yeah. I've got, what do I have? The Jim Atkins and the uh, Grace, whatever her last name is, ukulele. 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 <laughs> We're just going for bingo today. That's really what we're going for bingo. There's your bingo square. Yeah, I, don't, I actually don't have any signature guitars at all i have mostly cheap guitars though so there's that (laughs) but yeah it's it's easy to get burned out because i mean i think so one of the trends with the market i think especially over the last year with that kind of the explosion of guitar sales according to most sources is or even just over the last you know three or four years i feel like um yeah, they've attracted a lot, especially during COVID, they attracted a lot of new players. But prior to that, I think that kind of the marketing strategy of a lot of these companies, uh, Fender and Gibson, and maybe probably more so Fender than Gibson, but was signature models could potentially sell to established players that already own a version of that, right? So even maybe if it's just a different color, you know? like wow i gotta have that because i like that artist you know and Mm -hmm. so yeah i I think that yeah i mean because like so for example i mean i think it's very cool what fender is doing you know and and gibson too with the you know highlighting female artists and giving female artists signatures i I think that is totally awesome but you know there's so many of them you know and it's it's kind of like every guitarist that's fe- not every guitarist that's female because that, that's not not what i'm trying to say but you know when you when you release you know 10 10 to 20 signature models or at least talk about having 10 to 20 signature models for, for all these Bonamassa. different artists <laughs> <laughs> it's signature no caster man yeah and across that's not how news. many brands does he have signatures on now oh well, he's for sure got gibson and fender and way huge Epiphone, anyway and way Epiphone. huge pedal yeah yeah. So, so yeah, I think, I think there is a glut of it and I think it's, I think a big part of it's just marketing on, on the part of, of the guitar companies specifically. I mean, I think signature pedals is, is less of a prevalent thing, at least in my perception. 
I think it just gets yeah. harder with signature models now because, well, back in the day, um, you know, most musicians only kind of played one guitar during their like heyday. Mm-hmm. So, I, and I I know everyone will just tell me, oh, Eric Clapton is the the opposite of that right away, and. But like when you think of uh, Jimmy Page, you think of a Gibson Les Paul and a Burst. You know, if right. you think of John Lennon, you think of Casino. If you think of, you know, Jimi Hendrix, you think of a Strat. Like, in, and there are examples. Like, there's like there was the Jimi Hendrix uh, Jazz Master that was going around for auction recently. You know, there there are exceptions to that. But like, there was like this guitar this guitar player had this sound with this guitar and that's when you make a signature Mm -hmm. and maybe I'm just gatekeeping a little too much and like saying this is the only (laughs) way to do it. But part of the, part of the issue right now is a lot of guitar players now have signature guitars and then they start playing something else. Yeah. Yeah. A great, great example of that is like, like Bill Kelleher from um, Mastodon. I, I love Mastodon. I'm a huge Mastodon fan, but like he played, almost exclusively gibsons and then they came out with like an esp signature for him that was like a like a les paul style mm-hmm. esp signature and i'm like i don't think i've ever seen him play an esp guitar before you know why is it why does he have a signature in for this this brand you know it's it's really bizarre when well, you had like dave mustaine just leaving dean and going to gibson so you're gonna have yeah. all of those dave mustaine's things you're gonna have um what's his name allison chains uh, Jerry Cantrell. Yeah. He's going to Gibson, so you're going to see a bunch of stuff from him. Yeah, because he was even though he Music was Man before? Oh, it's GNL. Okay. <laughs> music Man, GNL. Same thing. Yeah. <laughs> different different retirement options for Leo <laughs> Fender, right? <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, it's just one of those things of just like, it. I think it's, I think it's going to be harder to have a signature model or just have like a signature model stick with a guitar player in the future. Um, and then also they're given signature models so early on, like they're, they're these artists now at like 20, 28, 30 that are getting signature models on the, like their rise up. So like, I think of like her as an example, like I never mm-hmm. heard of her until the signature model came out and then I started noticing her everywhere. So they caught her <laughs> on the way up, you know, and well, her sparkly strat, um, you know, stand the test of time. I don't know, but like, it, it was just kind of one of those weird moments where like, who is this? Why did they get the same? Yeah. Then? I same here. I'd never heard of her before. And she's really good. I oh, mean, yeah. what I've seen after she's fantastic, you know? So cool. Her, I mean, I think, and I think it's awesome. was probably my favorite part of the Super Bowl. Yeah, it was great. From music's perspective. I mean, that was, that was really good. So even from a non-music perspective, it was my favorite part of the Super Bowl because yeah. <laughs> anyway, not a Tom Brady fan. Yeah. <laughs> It's not, I'm not, I'm not, not a Tom Brady fan. You know, I like, I appreciate the skill and everything, but it's like sports. I don't know, man. I, I, I'm just, I, yeah, I guess like I used to be a really big bears fan, you know, um, being, being from Illinois and I just, I don't know. I just, I just got, got, got tired of it. It's, it just seemed like a treadmill, like you like keeping up with it seemed like a treadmill. It's like, you just keep doing the same thing. And it never changes, you know. But maybe that's just because I was a Bears fan. You know? I mean, let's be honest. Like, it, oh, it's, it's been be hard great. to be a Bears fan since 2007. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Since that that last uh, what was it? The last time they went to the 
Super Bowl was no, that was 2000, 2006. Six? Yeah, 2006, right? 2006, yeah, 2006, 2006, 2006 season, 2007. So 2007, right? Yeah. Yeah. I know so, what yeah, I'm talking I... about. <laughs> <laughs> I watched Taxi Rexy take us to the Super Bowl and then throw it away. <laughs> <laughs> uh grossman yeah those were years still the best quarterback the bears have ever had prove me probably wrong. yeah prove me wrong. i mean they're their cutler had flashes of brilliance you know but but it was always up and down i mean grossman was up and down too i mean there was that that uh, that 2006 season he started like they started like eight or nine and oh or something like that and then he kind of fell apart and then they got the super bowl anyway didn't didn't orton like manage like three games of that season too I think he did, yeah. yeah Kyle Orton oh, that's something. right. Yeah, they were doing so poorly. They brought in Orton. Boiler oh, up, good old neck beard. Okay, this this concludes the Bears specific portion <laughs> of the podcast that ninety five percent of you don't Chris, care about. Chris, this is how it feels when you and Diaz go all Tennessee on me. <laughs> all I finally right, yeah. bring a fellow Illinoisan <laughs> yeah. into this conversation, and this is what we talk about: is the Bears. It's like, oh, the Bears. What is this? Uh, what, what what is this sports ball theme? <laughs> All right. Uh, well, let's land this. <laughs> I, think yeah. we, I think we ran out. <laughs> this, this bird's been out of fuel for a while. All right. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We have our new outro now. You can find everything, our Facebook group, our Instagram, our YouTube. You can email us. You can join our Patreon all at theeffectsloop.com. You're welcome. Made it nice and easy. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> made it all nice and easy. Um, I'd also like to thank our sponsor, uh, Westminster Effects. Name and claim your tone. Um We'll see if they come up with their signature Lucifer uh, paddle and <laughs> go on. I, I don't know. I think Cody would be like, wait, I can sell 333 of these? I'm down. Um, but <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> That's a decent run. That is, yeah. Um, I'd love to sell 333 pedals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a good run. Yeah. Um, well, what was it? Was it the life pedal had a bunch of clones that like popped up overnight and it was really popular too. So mm. there might be something there mm. for since the life pedal is basically a TOD 250. <laughs> <laughs> All right. With that, uh, we'll bid you do. Thanks for joining us this week. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so long, everybody. Bye. 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 Pushing along
cautionary Why is negativity always drawing out picture And revisualize love Energized lives together, together We undefeated A plan to make well, there's no gloves needed When we weed into the mindset of achieving And believing in a community that remains happy Never after, the world should be one Hate annihilated, every heart is one Love again, so Save all your racist stuff for after I'm done recording now. God damn it. Chris. <laughs> what? Is that because I grew up in Tennessee? Is that what you're trying to say? Am I? Am I Am I trying to say it? Or am I saying it? <laughs> and there goes He's implying it. Listeners. Awkward silence. And...